lesson that we're going to be teaching here tonight is entitled Encountering Storms in Our Walk with God. And there's two areas that I want to emphasize here tonight. One is to follow the Lord, and the other is the storms that we encounter many times in our walking with God. And uh, I'm going to use this example that... uh, of what happened to the children of Israel. I want you to, uh, not to the children of Israel, but to his disciples. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18. We'll start with this verse of scripture here. <clears throat> and uh, I want you to notice very closely here what I'm going to point out to you here about following Jesus. Verse 18 Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. That's the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Verse 19, And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Notice here that this man was committed to follow Jesus. Notice he stated it, and I'm going to follow you. Verse 20, Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. And if you're going to follow me, you may not know where you're going to sleep tomorrow night. Or the next night. You never know. You may be sleeping under an oak tree one of these, you know, along the way. You may be sleeping on the side of the road. And it doesn't say anything else about this man. He was a scribe. A scribe is someone who was knowledgeable in the Hebrew language. In the New Testament, they did not speak pure Hebrew. The the children of Israel did not. They spoke of what was called a... uh, 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 Aramaic Aramaic was their language and it was a mixture between the Chaldean and the Hebrew language and they also spoke sometimes Greek it was sort of a commercial language and then they spoke some of them all could, also could speak uh, Latin which was the Roman language and so those three languages sort of shifted around but in Palestine itself it was primarily uh, this uh, Aramaic language that they spoke But the scribes were very skilled in pure Hebrew. And so they were the ones who would sort of let everybody know exactly what was meant by certain scriptures under the law of Moses. So they were pretty important people. And so this man was a scribe. And the scribes themselves, a lot of times, did not follow Jesus because he had come to bring them a way of life that they did not want to accept. They wanted to know that their Messiah would come with great force, power, and would just overthrow the Roman Empire and that they were going to be a supreme nation once again. This is what they really wanted. So it says that this man was, uh, and he said, I'll go wherever you are. Jesus said, foxes have no. And then it doesn't say anything else about this guy. He doesn't say anything else about him. Now look at verse 21. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. And it doesn't say anything more about what this man did. It doesn't say anything more about it. Uh, I'm going to have you go, if you would, with me uh, to another verse of scripture here that's found in Luke, I believe it is. This Luke tells about another situation, and I'm looking here in Luke 9:61. This is where Luke's giving his uh, take on this incident that happened with Jesus, and he quotes another saying here that Jesus said at that time. And another also said, "Lord, I will follow thee, but let me go first. Bid them farewell which are at home at my house." And Jesus said unto them, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So here's three illustrations, two of them found in in Matthew, one of them found in Luke in addition. 
and is saying that these three individuals said, Lord, we'll follow you. But no place does it ever say they did. They said they wanted to, they would, but when Jesus told them the obstacles, you may not have any place to sleep. And if you've got to go take care of things, of something else first, if first you've got to go do something else, you're not fit for the kingdom. And so what happened was that these people never followed the Lord. They never followed the Lord. They became what we call distant disciples, distant disciples. They followed him from a distance. Uh, with the Lord, nothing else can be first. It's, let me first go back to my home and say this and do this and do that. No, no, nothing can be first. Let me first go bury the, the dead. That was actually a little story that they would always use in order for them to say, let me think about it and let me give some second thought to it. What I'm pointing out to you here is that these are three examples here where men wanted to follow Jesus. But whenever they put up this little story or this argument here, and, or, and Jesus told them, you've got to be willing to follow me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, they just sort of backed off and said, well, maybe I'm not quite ready for that yet. For instance, the man said, I have, when he said, I have no place to lay my head. You want to follow me now? And the guy got thinking, well, maybe I don't want to follow him in, in those circumstances. And what it was, was that them, was these people putting Jesus Christ second and putting these other things first. Amen. They became what we call sometimes distant disciples, distant disciples. This is a familiar verse of scripture that you're familiar with. This is not in your text, in your scripture text, incidentally. These are not the scriptures that I have. This is one that I've just threw in for free here. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, John 3 and 1. You're very familiar with this. And this is where that Nicodemus came to Jesus. Look at this closely. I want you to notice this. This is St. John 3, 1. I'm read 1 and 2, just those two verses. There was a man of the Pharisees. Notice here he was a very prominent person. A Pharisee. Very prominent person. Pharisees, most of them didn't like Jesus. They didn't like it because they didn't the way, did not like the way he presented the kingdom of God on this earth coming to Israel. And so it says this man was a Pharisee, uh, a ruler of the Jews. His name Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a, a ruler of the Jews. Two things, Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. Notice that. But also notice what it says here. The same came to Jesus by night. He sort of slipped around when nobody was looking. Nobody was around. Nobody was there. And he wanted to ask Jesus some very pertinent questions. That if I'm going to follow you and I'm going to be one of your disciples and everything, what's involved? And Jesus jumped right into it. Except a man be born again. He, of the water and the spirit and so forth. He says in verse 3 here, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he gets into born again, born of water and spirit and so forth. And I won't get into that doctrinal side of it and the issue of it. The point I'm bringing out is Nicodemus was one of those men who may have followed Jesus from a distance. So he had disciples who followed him from a distance. Are you getting my point here? That these people followed the Lord from a distance. Uh, when Jesus died on the cross, Nicodemus was one of those who went to Pilate and asked him for the body of Jesus. One of the other men that went with Nicodemus was Joseph of Arimathea. Arimathea was the town or the place where he was from. Joseph of Arimathea. And Joseph of Arimathea had a grave site, that is a tomb. He had a cave and a big stone and so forth that was, had been made for himself. And he offered to give that to Jesus. Again, Joseph of Arimathea was a disciple from a distance, from a distance. Admired Jesus, respected him. They saw many things. In a few moments, I'll show you here what really caused these people to really say to the Lord, uh, can I follow you? Or will, you know, is it permissible for me to follow you? Uh, you know, and so forth, and they talked about it. 
So I'm pointing out to you here some of these things here that Jesus brings up. And uh, the question here, of course, is that when we start out to walk with the Lord, don't look back. Don't look back. And uh, I want you to look with me here in Luke 9, 61. Luke 9, 61, if you would. Let me get back to that verse of scripture here again. Yeah, where is it? Yeah, where is it? All right, 961. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at home at, at thy house. And so and these people here had a desire to walk with the Lord, but only if it did not require too much from them. I'm trying to give you a picture here that in Jesus's day, he had disciples who wanted to follow him safely. They wanted to follow him where that things would not be too complicated. They wanted to follow him where that trials or tests or problems that may arise will not arise in their lives. And uh, they could still follow the Lord and still be a part of the, everything. And the Bible says, of course, if you're going to follow the Lord, you've got to go with him. And when you do, you can't be looking back. You can't be looking back. You just got to follow him all the way. I've got uh, the verse of scripture here in Genesis 19. I think most of us are familiar with this. Let me read this verse and I'll move on here very quickly. This is the one about Lot. I'm going to read here 19 uh, and verse 17, 1917. It came to pass. That when they had brought, these are the two angels that brought Lot and his wife and two daughters out of Sodom and Gomorrah, out of Sodom it was. And it came to pass when they brought them forth that he, they said, escape for thy life, look not behind thee. Don't look back. Can I just say something here today, folks? When you start out with Jesus, don't look back. Just go with it. I mean, walk with God, serve the Lord. Amen. Commit yourself to the Lord Jesus with all of your heart. Praise the Lord. Don't say, oh, let's see, you know, maybe this, maybe that, maybe this, maybe that. No, no. You've got to leave that world behind you. You've got to leave a lot of things behind you. You've got to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to walk with you with all of my heart and soul. And I'm just telling you here today that it's an easy thing. For us to fall into that area where we're going to follow him from a safe distance. So here's one an example of this in the Old Testament here where the angel said to them, look not behind thee. Now I'm going to jump to verse 24 real quick. Then the Lord reigned upon Sodom. This is 924 of 1924 of Genesis. Then the Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon, upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, all the inhabitants, everybody in there was also gone with it all, that which grew upon the ground. Look at verse 26. But his wife looked back from behind him. That is Lot. She looked, they were walking side by side and she looked behind Lot and she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And over in the New Testament, in the book in Luke seventeen thirty two, there is the second shortest verse in the Bible. And it says, remember Lot's wife. Jesus said that to his disciples. Remember Lot's wife. In other words, she looked back. He was talking to them about their commitment to walk with him, to serve him, and to give their life to him with all their heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Praise the Lord. So we have to be willing to follow the Lord and go wherever he'd go. One other example I'm going to use here is the one of the rich young ruler. And then I'm going to move into what happened here. And this is the, the rich young ruler. Number four here. Number four under A. The rich young ruler. Look in Matthew 19.16. Matthew 19.16. Look at this very closely here. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He said unto him, Why callest thou me God? There is none good but one. That's God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. 
He said unto him, which? Notice closely here, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So the young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? In other words, he was really proud of his keeping the commandments by not murdering people or not committing adultery and all those kind of things. And Jesus said, verse 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. So if you want to be saved, you want to really have eternal life, you really want to touch this real eternal life on earth aspect, he says, do this. And then in verse 22 says, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions and he was not willing, not willing to give up all that he had to follow Jesus. I'm trying to show you here in this man's case that he didn't want to give up everything to follow Jesus. Didn't want to give up everything to follow Jesus. But those disciples, they were willing to do that. Those 12 disciples that followed Jesus and others as well. They were willing to give it all up to follow Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about. Now, I want you to look with me a little bit further here. And uh, this rich young ruler was not willing to pay the price. Now, the question here, what prompt these men? I'm going to be here. Part B right here. What prompt these men in Matthew 18, 19, and 20 to want to follow Jesus? And the answer is in 816. I want you to go back to that uh, eighth chapter here of uh, Matthew. And verse 18 is where Jesus saw the great multitude and so forth. But I want you to look with me here in that 16th verse. I'm backing up to verse 16. When evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. Everybody see that? And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Everybody say all. He healed all that were sick. And there was none of them that he left not healed. He cast out devils. This one came. He had a problem. He is healed. He is healed. healed. This is what these men said. So that at the 18th verse, they jumped on the wagon and said, Lord, I'm willing to follow thee. Because they had seen the power of God manifested. And they were interested in the manifestation of the power of God. So they said, we are willing to follow thee. But when Jesus started laying it out, what would have to happen for them to follow him? They had some reservations about it. You understand why these men wanted to follow the Lord? And the Bible, of course, gives us these, uh, these answers. Also, over in the, uh, in Matthew, this is in, uh, uh, this is in, the eighth chapter, if you look in chapter nine, or just one chapter over, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. It does notice it says all that were sick, every disease, every sickness. The Lord it was just doing a fab and a marvelous job. And they wanted to be a part of that. But they did not know what was going to be required of them to walk with the Lord. Amen. You see, a lot of people would like to have the blessings of God and the good things of the Lord. They like to have the shout. We all do. We'd always like to run the aisles, maybe, you know, in church. It doesn't always happen that way. There are things that come into our lives that we have to say, Lord, this is all part of it, and I'm going to keep walking with you. And I'm going to keep on following you. Because I'm not one of those that's trying to follow you from a distance and pick and choose when I want to follow you and when I don't want to follow you. And this is what these men saw, and they, uh, they said, yeah, we'd like to have a, a part of that and be a part of that and everything. Let me show you something over here in the book of Acts. This is a, a very interesting, uh, something that happened in Acts chapter 8. 
Most of you are familiar with this verse of scripture. This is where Philip, this is now after Jesus had ascended into heaven and the church is going forth and the gospel is being preached and so forth. And I'm picking up here in uh, Acts chapter 5 and I'm going to read a few verses here to you. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. This is, this is verse 5. Now I'm going to just spot through here and just pick out a few verses here. He preached Christ unto them. And the people of one accord, verse 6, gave heed unto these things which Philip spake concerning and seeing the miracles which he did. Wow, they like that. Unclean spirits crying with loud voices and came out of many that were possessed with them and many that was taken with palsies uh, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Wow. And this is what was happening in Philip's ministry in the city of Caesarea. This is after Jesus had ascended into heaven. Look at verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is a great power of God. They were all saying this about Simon. To him they had regard because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. And then whenever they preached and, and Philip baptized them, they were baptized and so forth. Simon, he said, oh, I'm going to believe too because he was beholding. This is what I said about Simon. Verse 13, then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip wondering about the miracles and the signs which was done. This is what he was interested in. He was interested in all the signs and the miracles because it was power. Power. That's what he wanted. That's what he saw. If he'd walk with Jesus, there would be all this power. Are you following me? I want to show you some of serious things in here in a few moments. And uh, anyhow, Peter and James, uh, Peter and John went down. To, up to, they call it down. We call it up because it was north, but down. Everything from Jerusalem is always down in the Bible. He went down to Samaria from Jerusalem, and uh, they laid hands. Verse 17, then they laid hands on them, and the people in Samaria received the Holy Ghost. They had not received the Holy Ghost. They'd been receiving miracles, but no Holy Ghost yet was given till they had come there. Now, look at verse 18. <clears throat> and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, and I might just add this, what he saw was them speaking in other tongues. Because when the Holy Ghost came, they spoke in other tongues. That's what he was seeing. The Holy Ghost came on them, the Spirit of God. Now, when he saw the Holy Ghost, he offered them money. Saying, give me also this power. That's what he was interested in. That on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. And of course, I'm not going to read the rest of it. But Peter really rebuked him and told him, says, you are, you know, in the verse 23, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And he rebuked him and told him God was going to judge him. And then he began to say Peter to Peter, please pray for me that I may not be judged of God severely like you're saying. And so the man began to back off. Now, what I'm pointing out to you here is here are some people who were seeing miracles. And even this over in the New Testament, this Simon, this is what he was interested in was seeing this not living for God, not serving the Lord, not walking in holiness, not being a testimony, but the miracles that they might be a part of and see and might even be used of God in miracles might being displayed by the Lord and falling upon individuals. And this is why I'm saying here today that this is what prompt these men here over in uh, Matthew 9. And, and in Matthew 8, rather, to say, we want to have these miracles. And when Jesus is going to say, okay, fine. If you want to follow me, sure, come on. But if you do, you may not have a place to sleep sometimes. And you may have to leave some things behind. And some things you've got to put second. You can't put them first in your life. You've got to put following me first. And they said, oh, wait a minute. That's uh, you, you putting it on a little heavy there. I don't know if I'm ready for that. And so they became perhaps disciples from a distance, watching from a distance when it was convenient, yes, but when it was not convenient, they were not that interested. Now, 
I'm going to go back here to uh, the storm. I want to get into this. Look at number two here. This is the second part of what I'm going to talk to you about here tonight. And this is Matthew 8, 23, 24. I'm picking up in that same first verse that we originally read to you here. If you look up here, Matthew 8, 18 through 22. Now I'm picking up here in Matthew 8, 23, the very next verse. So Jesus had just said in verse 23, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Verse 23 now. Everybody with me? And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. They followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Now, what I'm pointing out to you here is that the Lord had previously told them, get in the ship, we're going to sail to the other side. And the Lord here said to them, get in the ship, we're going to follow me. They said, Lord, we're going to follow you. All these other things, they said, whatever happens, we're going to follow you. They got in the ship with Jesus, and they're on their way across the sea, and Jesus went to sleep. Jesus went to sleep. And uh, the Bible tells us, you know, all about how that these things here, this storm arose, and the Lord told them, says, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to lay down here and sleep. And, uh, another one of the scriptures and one of the other, I think it's in Mark says that he laid his head on a pillow and went to sleep. And there were, the storm arose. The boat looked like it was up, upside down. It was storm. And what I'm pointing out to you here tonight, folks, is that when you start out walking with God and you said, I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. I'm going to follow him into the ship. I'm going to go where the ship goes. I'm going to go with Jesus. The others all backed off and said, oh, I don't know. And Jesus said, come on and follow me. And they got on the ship. And Jesus went to sleep in the boat. And all the waves and the storms and everything happened. And everything was going on. And all of a sudden, they became scared to death. Because they said, we perish. Now, let me just say this to you here today. In your walk with God... We are not guaranteed there will not be storms in our lives. We're not guaranteed that. When you start out walking with God, there's going to be some storms along the way. There are some things that will come our way. But it doesn't mean that it's time to check out and say, I don't think I'll walk with God anymore. No, no, no. You stay with the ship and you stay with Jesus. Because Jesus will never fail us in anything he'll bring us through. He'll always bring us through. Praise the Lord. And these men, though they were feared, they were fearful, they were afraid, and they had done everything Jesus said, and it looked like they wasn't going to make it. It looks like everything had, turned, had gone upside down to them. Look what I have written there in, in this, the scriptures following. These disciples may have questioned their decision once they were on board that ship. Jesus had just said, follow me. He had said that to them. So they followed him. He had said, depart to the other side. So they said, okay, we're setting sail to the other side. Now Jesus is asleep, and there's a storm raging in the sea. And here they are faced with that. And they're saying to themselves, oh, my goodness, what in the world have we gotten ourselves into? So in this thing called storms of life, it can come our way when we begin to walk with the Lord. And what we have to do is be determined we are going to serve the Lord with all of our heart. Amen. I'm serious. Many of you have been through some storms. Many of you face storms. Most of us can recall some storms in our lives, especially when you first started living for God. When you first started living, when you first started walking with the Lord, you know, you said, oh, this is nice. The Lord loves me. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel peace. I feel joy. And then a storm comes along and you say, whoa, wait a minute. What's all of this? You know, 
And this is where some people check out. No, 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 no. You say, I'm going to stay with it because Jesus is in the boat. As long as he's in the boat, that boat's not going to sink. As long as you keep Jesus, when you stay with Jesus in the old ship of Zion, that's the church and the living God, it won't go down. Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church will always make it. I don't mean, I don't mean the church building. I'm talking about God's people on this earth. You stay with the people. You stay with the faith. You stay with the truth. You stay with the gospel. You stay with what God has ordained that we do and how we live and how we walk and how we serve the Lord. When you start living for God, you got to lay down some things. You got to lay aside some things. You got to say, I'm going to walk with the Lord. I got to put this aside, put that aside. I don't do this no more. I don't do that no more. I don't, I don't go here. I don't go there. There's places you give up where you go. There's things you give up that you do. There's, uh, there's things you give up that you quit saying things that you used to say, perhaps. Uh, there's all kind of things you do. You start looking holy, walking holy, acting holy, living a holy life. Praise the Lord. It's all part of it. And storms may come, but you say, well, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to check out. I'm going to keep walking with Jesus. Uh, if I can use uh, my, I'm going to use my wife here as an example here. When she was a young lady, uh, I don't, she had finished high school and she was living in Salem, Massachusetts or Beverly, what, Beverly, Mass. And, uh, and she, uh, was getting ready to go to high school. Her father had said, I mean, go to college. Her father said, any college that you want to go to, I'm going to pay for everything. You know, you never have to worry about education. As long as you want to go to college, I've got the money. I'm going to pay for it. No problem. And so it was all set. She had good grades in school. She was accepted in college by Tufts. She was accepted by, uh, by the University of Massachusetts. And there was a couple other universities that accepted her. She's all set to go to college. And her dad was going to pay for it. And she's ready to go. And it was the end of summer, coming on the first of fall. And a friend of hers went out to California. And my wife had been going to this little, this, this Catholic church, and there's a little garden beside it. And she'd go to that little garden sometimes. And she'd take her little Bible, and she would get in there, and she'd read it. And she'd say, Lord, I'd like to know more about you. And just her on her own. She said, you know, there's things I don't understand, and... She was just curious and read it. And she said sometimes she would just pray in that little garden, just pray to God. Say, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are, but I just want to know as much about you as I can. Well, when this friend uh, told her, says, I've come to California out here and I have found a religion out here called Pentecostals. And they believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it's the most wonderful thing. I'm so excited about it. So my wife flew out there. She said, I'm going to fly out there, find out what he's got. Maybe I can maybe see what that's about. Then I'll come home, start to college. She flew out there, went to the Pentecostal church. And lo and behold, the first time she went to a Pentecostal church, she ran back outside. She got up and ran outside. Said, no, no, no. I, I'm feeling goosebumps and I'm feeling, I feel funny and I don't know what this is all about. They said, no, no, everything's okay. Make a long story short, she finally went back in. And a little bit and a few days later, she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when she did, she was so excited and so happy about it. And you know what she did? She contacted her dad back home and she said, I'm not coming home. I'm going to stay out here. I have found something that really satisfies my soul. I'm just so happy. Everything in the pastor and his wife said you can stay with us here at our home and go to church they had a it was a small church but it's pentecostal and talked in tongues and and just you know at the presence of the lord <clears throat> so she says i'm gonna stay out here her dad wrote back a letter to her and said you are disowned you're no longer my daughter out don't ever ask me for anything so for five months my wife stayed out there she gave up uh, makeup. She started wearing her dress a nice length. She quit cutting her hair, let her hair grow because that's all in Bible truth. She began to try to sharpen her life and say, I'm going to live for God and walk with the Lord. And she began to serve the Lord and was so happy about it, her walk with God. 
They had a little job there as a soda jerk working in a drugstore where she was served milkshakes and things. Happy as she could be for five months. And after five months, the Lord began to deal with her. It's time to go back home now. You know what she did? She contacted her father and said, I'm coming home. Send me the money for airfare. He fired it to her just so fast. I mean, he, he, had, he had disowned her. And she knew that. She knew that. And she flew home. Well, this is where, this is where the, the storm hit. She came home and they want to know, what happened to you? You don't wear makeup. You don't go to the dance halls anymore. You don't dance, you know, you don't, uh, you know, you don't, you don't go to picture shows. You don't, well, you changed. And she said, I am so happy. And she started looking for a Pentecostal church and she finally found one in Boston. And she'd have to take the train from Salem to Boston, uh, Monday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and on a Wednesday night to go to church and then catch the train back. Sure, it didn't take too long. And she said to her dad, and I want you to pick me up at the train station when I get back home. Take me down, pick me up. And he said, oh, okay, okay, okay. Everything. And so anyhow, she started doing that. And she started going there. And they said, what, what happened to you? They, they, they brought Uncle Joe in. Uncle Joe was a guy who had been a merchant, uh, a merchant marine. And he had traveled all the world. He knew all kind of things. They said, find out what happened to, the, Peggy was her nickname, but her nickname in the family was Booba. That means doll. And that was given to her when she was a little girl, and they all called her Booba. It's a short. So they said, Booba, what happened to you? And so anyhow, Joe questioned her, that he said, yeah, I've, I'm familiar with, this is called Pentecostals, yeah. They're all over the world. There are a lot of places and everything, and they do this, they do that, and everything. And uh, they're not Catholic, you know, and everything. And so they began to really ride heavy on her. They brought the priest in. They brought the priest in. They said, talk to Booba and see if you can get her straightened out. And that Catholic priest tried his best to argue her that everything she's doing was wrong. And she had Bible. She had learned it. She had the Holy Ghost in her life. She, she was talking back and arguing her point. And the family was amazed that she stood her ground so well against this polished theologian, this priest. And finally, the priest says, okay, I don't have nothing else to say. I have one question. Who changed you? She said, Jesus Christ. He said, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm out. He's gone. Everything. And they didn't bother her no more. But that storm was raging. That storm was there. Later on, she came to Florida. And was there, got baptized in Jesus' name and everything. And I I met her. I just graduated from Bible school. I met her. And I just thought she's the prettiest girl I'd ever seen in my life. I said, I've got to get a date with this girl. And you know what? I called. And she went to this little church that had a, a woman pastor. And uh, I'd, I'd call up the woman pastor. And I would say, uh, I want to talk to Sister Debbie. That was her nickname, but now the new nickname is Debbie. She, her name is Margaret, but it was Debbie because she looked like a debutante, so that name Debbie stuck. Everything. So, hey, listen, folks, I'm telling you. She had worked at a bank as a teller in, 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 in uh, Salem, Mass. And when she came to Miami and she decided to stay down there and her family went back, they said, you're going to stay down here now? Yeah, she said, I found a church I'm going to go to. I like it. I'm going to go there. They need my help. I'm going to play the piano for them and everything, try to help them with the young people, be a young people's leader for them and everything. And she got right in there. And and uh, she went to the, she went to first, uh, Guff, uh, Dade Federal. Dade Federal was a big bank in that city in Miami. And she said, I want a job. You know what they gave her a job doing? She was a loan director, assistant loan director. They put her in the loan department where they did loans. And the next thing you know, guys coming in with their hats off and sitting down and crossed over and asking her for a loan to build a, a hundred homes over here on this layout and everything. And she'd take all the application, all the information. They'd say, Miss Femino, anything you can do, I really would appreciate it. That guy was the boss to the guy that was the boss to my boss, you know, <laughs> down the line. And they, this guy was with, had his hand in his hand to my wife, you know. And he said, and, and this is the job she had.
Well, I was seeing this girl and I thought, man, I want to get acquainted with her. Not because of that, because I didn't know anything about that end of it. I said, she's a really a pretty girl. She's a Pentecostal. I'd call up the house and I'd say, uh, is, is Sister uh, Debbie there? So no, she is on the streets preaching with the young people. They got a street service on there. I said, oh, really? Okay, I'll call back. I said, that sounds good. I'd call again maybe uh, the next day or two. No, she's in a nursing home with the young people. They got a nursing home service going. I called back again sometime. No, no, she's down at the park. They're witnessing handing out tracts. Really? She's not home? No, she's out doing the work of God someplace. Call again. No, no, she's doing jail service with some of the other people. Every time I tried to get a date with her, she was working for God. And every time I got turned down, I said, I know for sure I'm going to get acquainted with her. Praise the Lord. But you see, but you see, there were some storms that had come her way. And she just said, I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to live for God. And her family resented her. Her family was against her. They didn't understand it. She said, but I'm going to serve God. And folks, when we come to God, that's what we have to do. Praise the Lord. So these disciples got in the boat and the storm came. Now, let me finish reading some scriptures. I'm going to move on here because my time getting away. And look at this 26th verse, 24th verse. Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea so much that the ship was covered with waves, but... He was asleep. I'm reading here from um, Matthew 8, 24. Now, verse 25. Excuse me. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We perish. Verse 26. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and sea. And there was a great calm. Just like that. Just like that. Now, I'm just telling you here, I don't care what kind of storms you face in your walk with the Lord. If you're following Jesus and you're walking with the Lord, I don't care what the storm is. Remember, Jesus is in your boat. He's with you. Praise the Lord. And you may get scared. You may be frightened. You may not know the outcome. You don't know which way it's going to be. You don't know if you're going to eat tomorrow. You know, you may have gotten your last check from, the, you know, whatever it is. Somebody, doctor may have told you you got cancer. You may have got some kind of bad report. But whatever it is, you stay with the Lord. You say, Jesus, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to serve you with all of my heart. And I'm going to keep on walking with Jesus. Praise the Lord. And the Lord calmed us over in, uh, I think it's in Mark. Where this is recorded in the book of Mark, uh, this is 438. If you'll turn over there in Mark for just a moment, I want to show you this. Yeah, let's see, where is it? Yeah, where is Mark 438? <laughs> yeah. yeah, here it is. Mark 438, he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. That's all he had to say. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Great calm. Uh, I don't know, about five years ago I was in Israel with a group of our people. And... uh, Brother Urshan that was just here, uh, he was with us. We went out on the Sea of Galilee in a little boat. And I never forget this, out on that sea, on that the Sea of Galilee in that boat, just floating out there. Brother Urshan said, Brother Myers, I feel such peace out here. I can't tell you why. I feel so much peace just sitting here. He and I were sitting there across from each other just talking in, the, in a boat. Just, you know, a little canvas top and everything. It wasn't much longer than uh, uh, from here to, you know, where, to where it's Joe is sitting over there with a the red shirt. Yeah, That's about how long the boat was. And here, here we are sitting in the boat, and he said, I feel such peace. I said, I do too. It's such, 
a peaceful feeling. It was a strange thing. It was so much peace. And, you know, we know that, you know, we are God's people and he gives us peace. But it was such a peace. He's a pastor of a church. And he's saying here, I feel such peace. Ironically, a couple of years later, we're back in Israel again. Again, we went out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And somebody else said to me, Brother Myers, I feel so much peace out here. Somebody else. And I was telling my daughter about it. I told her, I said, Denise, I said, these people said, I feel peace there. She said, Dad, Jesus said, peace, be still. And the peace may still linger on that Sea of Galilee from time to time because Jesus said, peace. And if you've got the Holy Ghost, you feel the peace that he spoke. And I like that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm just throwing that in for free. But that was a peace that they felt. Two people mentioned that and everything. And my daughter seemed to tap in on it. And I said, okay, I'll go along with that peace. He said, be still. And all, all of a sudden, everything <clears throat> was calm. Everything was subsided. And the storm was all over with. Jesus calms the wind of the sea. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to this part right here. Jesus calms the wind of the sea. That was a great calm. Verse 2. This event had been prophesied in Psalms 89.9. I want you to turn that with me for a moment. Psalms 89.9. Look at this. Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. This is a prophecy that Jesus would calm that sea. It's right there in the word of God. Let me give you another scripture. This is also in Psalms. It's right there in your notes as well. And uh, Psalm 65, 7. Which stillest the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the people can be just like a stormy sea. And later it would become that in Jesus' life. Whenever they said crucify him, crucify him and all that, those kind of things. But he can still make the calmest see. I have one other verse here I want to give you too. This is in Psalms 107, 23. This is not in your notes there. Psalms 107, 23. Look at this very closely here. They that go down to the, the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. That's the people that's on the sea. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are in, at their wit's end. This is how you sometimes feel in your walk with God and a storm comes in your life. A storm comes in your life. How am I going to get through this? Verse 28, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet, so he bringeth them unto their desired haven. And so I'm just giving you some verses here in Psalms where the Bible talks about it, where that Jesus, praise the Lord, gave peace and calm the storm now i'm going to go here to this very we're getting down to the close of our uh, thoughts jesus the prince of peace isaiah 9 6 most of you are familiar with this verse of scripture isaiah 9 6 for unto us a child is born this is a prophecy of the coming of christ unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government should be upon his shoulder and his name the name is Jesus. The name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. That means Jesus Christ was the Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. That means that he is the Father of all living. The Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Praise the Lord. Isaiah fifty-seven nineteen. This is another verse that I'll take you. We'll look at very quickly here. Fifty-seven nineteen. I create the fruit of the lips, 
peace, peace to him that is far off. To him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, where water, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked, to the wicked. And let me just say this today, folks. There are people <coughs> that struggle and strive in life for all kinds of things. But they may not have peace and the joy of the Lord in their hearts like you and I have in our walk with God. Okay, so we have a storm once in a while. But Jesus gives us the answer to it. And as a last thought here, and this is number three here, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and this is number three here, without Christ in the boat. And this is John 6, 16 and 21. I'm not going to read this. I'm just going to refer to it here. But Jesus told his disciples, he said, I'm going to go in the mountain and pray. I'm going to go by myself. His disciples got in a ship and started across the sea. Across the sea. And they went two and a half miles. The Bible uses furlongs, but it breaks down to two and a half miles. They rode and they got into a storm. And it was crashing around them. And they were, they said, we perish, we perish. This is the amazing thing about this story. Jesus came walking to them on the water in the midst of that storm. Folks, he knows where we are all the time. He knows where we are. And they were in that ship, and the storm was two and a half uh, miles. That would put them about the middle of that Lake Sea of Galilee. It's about seven miles across at the very nearest point, the shortest distance. And as they were uh, crying out, Jesus came walking to them on the water. And the Bible says that when Jesus got in the ship, immediately they were at the shore. And I scratched my head and I said, that's impossible. Immediately they were at shore. They were in the middle of the sea, in the middle. Two and a half miles out into the sea, we put them in the middle of that Sea of Galilee. Jesus came walking in the water, stepped in the boat. And the Bible says immediately they were were at the shore. How did they get there? Jesus took them right there instantly. I'm just telling you, God has all kinds of ways of working. He has all kinds of ways of doing things. Whatever your trial, whatever your tests, whatever your problems, just say, Jesus, you got me on your hands. I'm here for the long haul. Praise the Lord. I love you with all of my heart. I'm not turning back. I'm not going back. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to just go a distance with you and say, I'm not going to follow you the rest of the way. No, no, Lord. If the storms come, I'm with you in the storms. Because Jesus is faithful and he'll never forsake us and he'll never leave us. And at the end here, I got to get, get Jesus in your boat, your life. He will never fail you. Let's stand together. Let's lift our hands and worship God and let's thank him. You've been such a good audience here. God love you. God, we praise you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you ever saved us. Thank you, Lord, that you brought us out of the miry clay. Thank you, Lord, that you gave us your love, your grace, your goodness, your mercy, your kindness. God bless this audience. Lord, keep your hand on every one of these that are here tonight. (coughs) Praise the Lord. Go with us, God, at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, praise the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.